Welcome back to Random Serling, the podcast where a guest and I watch a randomly selected episode of either The Twilight Zone or Night Gallery, then discuss what we watched. I'm your host, Dan Wersch, and my guest this week is Dan Sturm. Dan, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, other Dan. <laughs> yes, uh, this this is uh, a little interesting for me, too. Uh, it feels like I'm talking to myself as I was uh, preparing, but uh, but that's all right. Tell uh, the people out there how they might know you or where they might know you from. Uh, I imagine if they're listening to this, there's a good chance they are uh, a listener of other shows on the Incomparable Network, uh, where our podcast uh, that I co-host with uh, Joe Steele, person of the internet, uh, lives. We we talk about movies over there, as like most of the shows on the Incomparable. Uh, I imagine that's probably where all people know me from, rather than what I actually do for a living, which is sort of tangential. I make video related things, but uh, yeah, mostly talk about them. Yes, that's uh, that's that's definitely where I came to uh, become aware of you when uh, whenever you all joined uh, the Incomparable Network. I guess uh, I don't know what episode that was, but uh, I think that I think I went backward a little bit from there as being an incomparable fanboy like I am. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I've definitely uh, been listening to y'all show since uh, since that point. It was about uh, about a year ago. We're just we're just about to do our year wrap up and get into some new stuff for 2017. So we'll we'll see how that goes. You're not gonna have a Die Hard three episode, or, uh, or... <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Die Hard two made it into the because Joe likes themes. So we do Christmas related things mostly in December, with the exception of Star Wars. Uh, and I, I think Die Hard three that that officially breaks the uh, the Christmas for Die Hard tradition. Plus Die Hard. I don't know. Die Hard 3 is, it's a fine movie. It's not really much of a Die Hard movie, but anyway. Yes, as you all uh, pointed out, uh, <laughs> it, it, the script got uh, got co-opted and turned into a Die Hard movie. But uh, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. And had, had, I had just completed my annual uh, watching of the first two uh, when your Die Hard 2 episode dropped. So that was, uh, that was funny timing. <laughs> I, I very, it was all fresh in my mind, in, including... Uh, um, what's his name's uh, bare butt? Uh, yeah, yeah, so William, <laughs> William Sadler doing his naked karate. Yeah, that's. You know, I, I did look that up. We, we were talking about it on uh, Twitter there. Uh, the, the the various places that uh, had uh, also parodied that. I I thought Major Payne was one of them, but Major Payne was not. He was wearing underwear in that one. He was just throwing things around a hotel room, freaking out. But that's that's a memorable scene. Not a lot of people do naked karate in in hotel rooms. <laughs> not that we know of, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to turn this into the random naked karate in hotel rooms. That's podcast. okay. Well, I, I don't know how random it is. I think that was uh, that was very purposeful, purposeful naked karate. Mm. <laughs> really, really sets the tone for you. Absolutely. Well, uh, tell me. Uh, this may be a short answer, but uh, what's your history with the work of Rod Serling? You know, uh, I am familiar with the Twilight Zone. I think just sort of. Uh, you know, it, it it's sort of the canon of the of television and movie around you growing up. So you hear a lot about it. And I know I've seen some of it. I swear when I was in high school, I was over at a friend's house bored one night and somebody threw in a DVD of like, you know, best Twilight Zone compilation, something or other. And we watched a few episodes there. Uh, but other than that, I don't have... A whole lot of personal memory of watching the show i mean obviously you've got the the classic uh the pig face people or they're ugly and the lady's beautiful and stuff like you, you remember all these things whether you've seen them entirely or not but uh i uh it's been at least probably 20 well maybe 15 20 years since i've seen any twilight zone uh but yeah it's it's kind of uh i'm unfamiliar with 
the, the vast majority of Twilight Zone and Rod Serling properties. Well, uh, let me tell you, uh, as as many of my recent uh, guests would tell you, you're lucky that you did get a Twilight Zone episode and not <laughs> not Night Gallery, which... Uh, I, I've been listening to a couple of those, and uh, <laughs> it sounds like that that's uh, it's a pretty mixed bag of stuff over there. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not not the best work <laughs> in his, uh, his oeuvre. But, but uh, uh, at any rate, uh, the... Uh, the fact that uh, you haven't seen a lot of it, uh, uh, I think, I think gives us a few clues in terms of what age bracket you fall into. Um, <laughs> it's it's not unlike my own, uh, where it is a lot of the knowledge is just from the kind of overall penetration of of popular culture in terms of you know references in The Simpsons and 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 so many other shows. Yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't nail down where it comes from because again, I mean. I shouldn't say this because people will hate me. I'm not a huge Simpsons person either. I've I've been force fed that by uh, some people I know who really like it. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. This is just a lot of the, it's the Twilight Zone. It's the basis for a lot of other stuff. People build on top of it in reference to it. But uh, boy, they sure probably don't talk about this episode very much. Even though this is from this is from the first season. It is. Uh, yeah, we got uh, you know, the the randomizer picked uh, season one, episode seventeen, the fever. <laughs> fever. Yeah, it's. <laughs> And this is this is not one of those fevers that's cured by cowbell or anything. This is a this is a fever about <laughs> about gambling of all things. Yeah, it's uh it uh let's let's talk about the plot of the episode a little bit. There's not much to it, so it won't take <laughs> sure. <long. laughs> uh, yeah, it opens with uh with Mr. and Mrs. Gibbs. Uh, they've just arrived in uh, what is apparently Vegas. Fancy Las Vegas. It's 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 one room. It's it's like a twenty by thirty room with some slot machines in it. Yeah, did uh, it has a it had a, a door like a regular interior house door? Did you notice that whenever they were going to the to the hotel room or whatever? It's like here, let's just open this door and step out into the hall and, and make sure you close it behind you. Well, it was this was back in the days when Las Vegas was uh, still mostly dirt roads, and they didn't they really didn't want to get that dirt and sand just blowing through the uh, the automatic door. So they had to have sort of a corridor in the entryway there. No, that's not that's not true at all. I just made that up. But. <laughs> it's plausible though. Yeah, there, there was a nice uh, there was a nice montage of glowy lights there in the opening, and a song that uh, I swear sounded like a uh, like a public domain riff on "Hooray for Hollywood." Like it wasn't; it was like just a couple of notes off, so it didn't actually sound like it. But it's pretty close. Yes, it was legally distinct from uh, <laughs> right from any copyrighted material. Mm-hmm. But it's you know big city, big lights and stuff, and look at all of the wonder, and then cut to MGM soundstage. This is where we learn that Flora Gibbs, the 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 wife of the uh, the duo here, has uh, has won a trip, a uh, a, a three day two night stay, uh, from some contest that she entered. Uh, they didn't they didn't give us a lot of details. Something about her knack with with words and phrases. Yeah, I didn't quite catch that. I assume it was something like a uh, like a word jumble in a newspaper or something. Yeah, I sort of uh, uh, I don't know why this occurs to me. I, it's been a long time since I saw it, but uh, there was a movie called The Prize Winner of Defiance, Ohio. I think it was uh, Julianne Moore was in it. That's about all I remember about it. But she uh, would send away in all these newspaper contests and she uh she kept winning things and hmm. that's all i remember of the movie but uh that's what that's what i thought of when uh when they did this intro was that yeah she was probably a housewife and was um at least that was the premise was that she was sending off and all these contests that that mr gibbs thought were pretty frivolous and silly well whatever whatever keeps the missus happy when she's at home or something like that i guess he 
he's a very old-fashioned man this uh this franklin fella here yeah he's uh <laughs> he's a real wet blanket too like you know he so he agrees to come with her on this vegas trip and then they're they're barely there and getting their picture taken as the as the big contest winners and uh he's already berating the whole concept of vegas and how the the you know terrible immoral nature of gambling and and all this it it uh He's putting a guilt trip on her right away. Oh, it's your big vacation, so we're mm-hmm. here, but... Uh, we're here because it's free, three days and two nights, and, you know, it's not costing us any money and stuff, but this place is horrible, and I, I love that it's actually a line that he says, if it's one thing I know, it's morality, and this place is, doesn't have any of it, and it's like, oh my... All right, so this 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 whole episode exists almost specifically just to be a morality tale and just kind of beat a dead horse about how gambling addictions and stuff can ruin people and i, I guess <laughs> yes uh yeah there was definitely a little bit of uh pride go with before the fall uh right in this uh setting himself up uh big time although for a man of principle uh M- mr gibbs is uh <laughs> he's easily swayed by money i guess it's you know it's it's a thing that happens to the best of them uh and it's totally a thing that is reasonable to do in a plot but he what he wins like uh like 12 bucks or something which you know with inflation what is that like a thousand dollars in 1960 dollars but uh <laughs> he, he's just you know all of a sudden he's he's got the fever and uh he, he goes anywhere but i am jumping ahead of course uh, it's perfectly all right. Uh, I, uh, as I am wont to do, uh, I, I can never stop myself from going out and looking up the uh, the inflation rate. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, did you actually look up the inflation rate? Of, of so course. They were, they were silver dollar coins, and what did he have? He had like ten or twelve of them, or something, right? Or was it like eight? And the reason I looked it up was because the uh, just before this, there was a lady very excited about winning a thousand dollar jackpot. Oh, that's I, right. Yes. And I was wondering uh, what that would equate to in in today's dollars, and it was just a hair over eight thousand dollars in in today's money. So that tells you it's about eight x. Uh, uh, so so yeah. So if you won ten bucks, it's uh, like you won eighty. $1,000 is a pretty solid jackpot. I did think it was rather hilarious that the way they presented the jackpot to that lady was just like a little wicker basket with like dollar bills around the outside with silver dollars piled on the inside. That was that was nice. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that was uh, definitely a <laughs> great presentation. Really, they really spared no expense in the, in, in, uh, the wicker basket. I wonder if they deduct that from the $1,000 or if it's... Uh... <laughs> no it's on the house you get to you get to keep the wicker basket with you because you got to transport that money home you wouldn't want to put it in a purse or something you got to keep it presentable and nice so you can put it on uh on the table when you get back to your house and show all your friends that you want a basket full of money from las vegas or something there you go or should rather show them the empty basket that uh that you brought home after you pumped it all back into the uh the one-armed bandit of course right because that's <laughs> that's the thing that's how they get you is uh you win the money and then you end up giving it all back because uh, you're addicted and stuff. Speaking of addiction, this is where we get uh, Mr. Gibbs. Um, I, I I don't know if I looked away for a minute to make a note or something. I didn't see the exact circumstance of why the the guy that was plastered was like forcing him to play a slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't miss anything. You know, after... After uh, Mrs. Gibbs, you know, puts the nickel in and he chastises her about how you're 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 throwing money away. You know, th- this trip was free, but now you're you're wasting money. And it's like, well, it's only a nickel. 
and it's already in the machine. Let me pull the thing. It's like, all right, fine, whatever. I'm going back to my the room. And since this is a very small room, there's only like, uh, you know, one hallway. And he just bumps face first into this drunk guy. And uh, the drunk guy, he doesn't spill his drink or whatever, but he's uh, he needs to go get a refill. And he says, this machine's uh, driving me nuts here. And uh, maybe you'll have some better luck. Here, take this dollar. And uh, you play this machine. And uh, <laughs> it was super awkward. He, he puts the dollar in Franklin's hands. And then he, like, grabs him and, like, shoves his hand all the way to the machine. Like, th- this guy must have been must, much stronger than uh, Mr. Gibbs. I guess, you know, Franklin's a little older. But uh, he, he manages to put the coin in his hand and force him to put the coin in the machine. And then sort of get him to stand there and then wander away. And uh, Franklin's doing his whole well, you know. The, uh, the coins in the machine already, just like, uh, you know, previously with the lady there. And she uh, she pulled the handle and had had a, a little spin, and it was fine. She didn't win anything, and it was, that's the end of that. But, of course, he, he, he sees her smile, and she gives him the nod. He pulls the handle, and he wins uh, $8 or whatever. And it's miraculous. Look at all this money that just came out. So he, he takes it and stares at it and puts it in his pocket and stacks it up in his hotel room. That's right. I did notice uh, they did have a very dramatic shot of him grabbing the handle when he decided to finally play. <laughs> oh, sure. You know, it's a slippery slope. I mean, he's, 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 he realizes he's, he's shaking hands with the devil or some such metaphor or whatever. <laughs> he's, he's gonna grab the handle on that, uh, the one-armed bandit there, and as soon as he pulls it, he has sold his soul and is addicted to the stuff because money came out. Hey, like, I mean, you know, they, they did a fair job of trying to milk the suspense out of this thing and how it was gonna suck this guy in, but it's like, come on, guy. He's, 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 he's got to have at least a little bit of willpower. He's one of these, like, cold turkey, or as soon as you have a little bit of anything, you're 100% on board. You get, you got to, there, there's no middle ground between uh, <laughs> no gambling and losing your life savings on gambling. He did uh, uh, have just enough willpower to get in one more uh, snide remark about uh, the, the, the wild idiots that would, uh, that would put it all right back in the machine again. He referred to himself as a mature, responsible man. Oh, sure, because he's <laughs> going to take his money and he's going to go back to his room and he's going to say, look, I, you know, house didn't win this time. I, I, I got my money first try and look at me. Uh, I, I, I played the odds and I won this time, so I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> but then we get probably the weirdest device in this episode. Uh, the, uh, the machine says his name in a very sort of robotic sound of coins clanking out of the little thing it, it the machine says franklin or i guess the sound of the coins coming out of it says franklin i'm not i mean you know he thinks it's talking to him because he's clearly losing his mind uh very quickly but yeah the machine the machine is saying his name and <laughs> i love that like uh you know he's laying in bed he's got a little stack of coins there and every time he hears his name he looks down the stack is getting slightly larger and you can see that he's fantasizing about making more money but then you know he 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 like looks in the bathroom trying to figure out where this sound is coming from and he like looks behind the curtains or something it's like are 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 your ears not working either can you not tell the origin of sound you just (laughs) it's it's coming from outside i i do think that uh it did sound kind of like a toilet went running (laughs) <laughs> sure so so it might have been a, a logical place to check but yes uh maybe the acoustics were weird in the uh in the hotel room sure it's one of those ventriloquist type things it's you know there's a lot of angles in the room and the sound bounces off different places so it's it's obviously one of the other pieces of equipment in the hotel room that is saying his name in a very strange fashion yes yeah, so uh so he's trying to he, he does still have the presence of mind at this point to 
sneak out of bed because he realizes that uh, he's losing the moral high ground here. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. And he, he like he's, he's playing it off as uh, you know, this is dirty money, and this is not. What does he say? This isn't the kind of type of money that I want to take home. So I'm gonna go give it back because if I accept this, that you know, that means I'm uh, I'm not a moral person, which he clearly is because he's a very angry person at Las Vegas. So morality and stuff. <laughs> so he's gonna he's gonna go give it back to the machine, which you know he could just like walk out the room and like hand it to somebody or whatever. But no, he's going to put it back literally in the machine that gave it to him. Uh, but, uh, you know, he just ends up playing the slots for five, six, seven hours, whatever it is until, uh, uh, his wife comes down and says, what are you doing down here? Yeah. He, uh, I, I think, uh, my tip would be if, if you're feeling, uh, some kind of moral imperative, um, just leave it on the dresser as a very nice tip for your, uh, uh, your housekeeper housekeeping staff. Right, that's that's totally a thing he could do. Although he's a very he's a very uh, tidy man. I don't think he even uh, moved the covers. He just laid on top of the bed, which was weird. The 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 du- the dual uh, single beds. What do you call those types of beds? Back in the day, when each person had their own super tiny bed that you would roll off of. <laughs> oh, I just refer to them as twin size beds. But uh, sure. but yes, like every TV show in the well in this era in the fifties and uh, early sixties, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's got a separate bed. He's, he he didn't even bother to mess up the uh, the blanket. But sure, he could leave the the tip for the housekeeper, or you know, order some room service or something at least. Like that would be a slightly. Well, I guess he would be using his dirty money to buy food, so that would be bad. Yes, there's we can't reason out of it. Uh, he he was right. The only the only way to uh, get rid of it would be to go <laughs> pump it back into the slot machine. I'm try I'm 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 struggling to hang on to Franklin's logic in this thing here but like I don't it, like his uh his moral compass is so fragile in this thing that it's like all right, okay sure sure whatever if you, whatever you got to do man give it back to the house that's you know you could just go up to the counter and hand it to him and say I don't want your money yeah so after he plays all night long and uh, and his wife discovers him in the morning uh we very quickly get to where he is uh uh going coming back from the uh from the cashier with with a fresh uh, stack of, of coins and his wife lets us know that this is the third time that he's cashed a check. <laughs> sure. And we, they made sure that we had that line when he had that very awkward intro with the casino folks who took his picture that uh, they have unlimited credit, which uh, I'm not a big gambler. Also, uh, I forgot like checks are kind of a thing that people used to do, like right out a check to cash. So I was like, what does that mean? Unlimited credit? Does that mean they're just giving him money? He's like, no, no, no. That just means he can cash as many, bad checks as he wants to get more coins because obviously you know they'll come a call in later for that money but uh yeah they'll let him write checks out to cash as long as uh his hand's willing to you know write it on the check and hand it over the the line there but uh yeah he keeps uh, he keeps feeding coins in. he talks about how the the machine is teasing him and taunting him and mocking him you know you put in six and you win five you put in five and you win four and it's like well that's that's kind of how these things work man like they play the odds like for for a relatively stable human being he doesn't seem to understand the mechanics of slot machines in the slightest or how odds work and just you know (sighs) poor franklin or that he's fallen victim to exactly what they're all about which is they saw one person win a jackpot sure and that that gets the entire casino playing for did did they stop to think for one second that the lady with the basket full of money could have been a plant maybe she worked for the casino maybe it was fake now you're on to something (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to find a twist in this. Isn't there supposed to be some sort of weird twist aside from the fact that a guy swears that a machine is a being instead of uh, an actual machine? The weird twist is the machine chasing him. Yeah, that's... 
<laughs> we'll, we'll get there. I got a lot of stuff to say about that one, but yeah, uh, he starts he starts to lose his marbles a little bit along with his money. So he's pumping coins in, and he swears the machine is it's just about to pay out. I got it right where I wanted. I just need a few more coins and. Like he can't leave his machine, so he has he has Flora, his wife, or I, I don't know why I forgot her name up until now. Uh, he has her guard the machine so he can go get more coins. And then like he's he's been there for hours and he's begging for somebody to bring him a glass of water. And it's like, dude, like, I mean, first of all, I, I don't know much about casinos, but I know they'll bring you all the free drinks you want so you don't leave your machine. So this casino really needs to get on their game there and you know bring the man a glass of water so he can keep spending money for no reason. But. Uh, yeah, he's just he's pumping silver dollars in as fast as he can do it, and uh, it, I swear it's just about to pay out, and uh, never does. I can't forget Flora's name because my favorite quote of the episode was as he continues to play, and she's trying to convince him to stop. He turns and yells at her, Flora, will you kindly shut your mouth? Oh yeah, that was great, right in front of all the people too, and they all just sort of stop and start staring at him like... Dude, that's your wife, and what are you doing? You're making a huge scene. Yes, and if that wasn't enough, because she says that, she's like, everybody can hear you, and he says, I hate a shrew. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, boy. Flora should have just left Franklin there and uh, gone home to wherever they were from. Yeah, she should have quickly gone and cleared out the the joint checking before any of those checks made their way back to wherever they were from (laughs) and cleared. Right, then Franklin would have had to stay in the casino just washing dishes or whatever to make up for his, his tab. But uh, alas, he won't be uh, washing any dishes, will he? No, no. So uh, what, basically, what, he freaks out for a while, and I, I don't think there's anything else until he, he puts in his last silver dollar and goes to pull the handle, and the handle doesn't move? Is that is that basically it? Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's he's been playing for over 24 hours because there was like a kind of a time lapse, and she says that it's 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, mm. indicating that I think not only did he play that whole first night, but then I think he played like an entire day. <laughs> you know, there's another thing this casino could use is some chairs because uh, they didn't have chairs. That would be helpful. Keep him there for another 24 hours before he, he freaked out. But uh, yeah, he puts in a silver dollar and uh, the, the machine malfunctions. The handle doesn't work. Maybe it was it was just so full of his money. It couldn't do anything else. And he freaks out and starts uh, yelling at it and then pushes it over and starts attacking it, basically, as if it was a person. It's like, mm. Maybe somebody should have pulled Franklin away a little bit earlier than this. But at this point, yeah, he's basically, like, getting in a fight with a slot machine. So, you know, the uh, the staff starts to pull him away and he's taken back to his room to lay down, which is a solid decision. But, uh... He insists that the machine uh, did that on purpose. It, it, it was mocking him, and it, it purposely decided to break itself because it knew he was about to win, uh, and it just couldn't have that, and then uh, that, that drives him nuts. Uh, so he, he can't sleep again, and he's laying on top of his bed again like a weirdo. Yeah, he uh, at this point, he's I, I, my notes are that he's completely cracked up and that he is totally anthropomorphize the machine i mean he's like assigned all these human emotions to it uh, as if it's out to get him specifically right and uh, if i recall this is where he starts to hallucinate and then uh he hears the sounds again and he opens the door and the the machine is outside and now the machine has like a glowy smile around where the the coin part is yes (laughs) yeah where the where it would dispense the winnings is now there's a weird cover over top of it with a yes with a light up uh smiley face yeah because it had a big like circular light up area around the 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 name of it on the top at the beginning 
which I guess was its eyeball. I don't know, and it's a cyclops thing or something. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it's it's chasing him and calling for him still, and he's angry and he closes the door, but then he looks in the mirror and the door's open again and it's coming through the door and he keeps doing this like turn around to see Flora and the door's closed and look in the mirror and the door's open and here comes the machine coming for him and then I don't know, he like tries to hide in the bathroom but then the machine's in the bathroom so he closes the door to the bathroom and he's he's just hearing the sound and freaking out and of course you see where this is going because he's on the one side of the room and the machine is like slowly creeping towards him and he's slowly backing towards a window and it's like oh god he's gonna back up against the window and fall out the window isn't he? he's like yep yep he freaks out he backs up against the window and the window just shatters as if it was made out of uh sugar which it probably was because you know it's how you make fake glass and uh he dies and flora screams and sort of shakes her head in a really weird way yeah it took a really long time to develop because he, he was backing <laughs> away very slowly and flora kept what franklin what are you doing <laughs> there's nothing there she should have just tackled him or something i, I don't know i mean she totally could he's, have. he's not a very nice man she 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 could have been subconsciously like oh no franklin stay away from that window you might fall and hurt yourself oh <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> yes stop please don't <laughs> Beloved husband, you might hurt yourself if you fall out that window. Please don't go. <laughs> it was like, was it uh, uh, Gene Wilder in uh, Willy Wonka? Was it, there's that moment where he's like, stop, stop wait, don't. come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, crazy old Franklin falls out. I don't know. I mean, presumably this is a high building. I don't think casinos were that tall back in the 60s. But uh, then we just cut to that very sort of, you know, he's laying on the ground. There's some broken glass around him and then there's some police and fire department folks just sort of staring at him like what what is the line they say which was pretty hilarious like well a stretcher will be here in a little bit i guess we'll just leave him on the ground like this for now for people to like trip over and they just sort of walk away they do they all just clear the other cut the cop does the the classic uh all right folks nothing to see here it's like sure yeah, yeah there is there's a there's a dead body like <laughs> right here <laughs> didn't even put a like a blanket or a, whatever there's a little tarp over him or something and well, they just have their little, uh, uh, what a waste. Uh, seen a lot of people get, uh, hooked, but none like this guy here. He, he, he really bought into it and it took his life and something or other. And hey, they, I think what this really is, is a critique on early Vegas because there's a lot of things that they hadn't learned yet. They, the, no stools at the slot machine, right? No, yep. no cocktail waitresses circulating with free drinks. Mm -hmm. Um, really they hadn't seen anybody that get they get that obsessed with a slot machine they clearly hadn't had much experience yet yeah i mean the, the, they probably used this to go back and say you know if, if he would have had some liquid and a chair we, we could have got another two days worth of money out of him and then they could you know switch to some sort of credit card on file kind of thing where you put your put your card on the little you know the little stretchy cord thing that people clip to their pants or whatever <laughs> i don't know I, I see these things at casinos now i don't know entirely what they did so i don't think it's like a club card or something i don't know if that's got a credit card but yeah, and then the uh, the weirdest part of the episode here, where they try and tie it back into uh, superstition or something, his dead body's laying there, which I guess this is why they probably couldn't have covered with him, covered him with a tarp, is uh, his last coin rolls up to his dead hand, and the camera tilts up to see that the machine is now like standing there in the parking lot, staring over him. Conveniently, all the people have disappeared or something. The police have gone back inside, but there's a, uh, this is the slot machines there staring at his dead body going like, ha ha, I got, I got the best of you or whatever. And I'll give you back your last dollar just to sort of mock you further. But, uh, I got all your money and stuff. And, uh, then there's, there's the closing narration that, uh, <laughs> the closing narration. I mean, okay. So yeah, these kind of, these are kind of cheesy or whatever from the sixties, but the closing narration I felt was a little bit lazy in this where, you know, it basically says he lost his, 
reason in his life to this machine described as a one-armed bandit, a slot machine, or in Mr. Franklin Gibbs' words, a monster with a will of its own. For our purposes, we'll stick to the latter definition because we're in the twilight zone. It's like, <laughs> what? What? It, it could just be a machine or it could be a monster. We're going to go with monster because that's sure. Twilight Zone. Ta-da! Yeah, this this was uh, a, a, a sad version of uh, something they did, you know, probably more than a couple of times uh, later on. I, I think of the the Living Doll episode where um, there really was this, uh, you know, they they did it much better where it was only one person hearing it, uh, and yet uh, uh, it it very much had some kind of supernatural you know quality whereas this was just kind of it felt like it was like a little bit tacked on at the end oh yeah the machine's here and it's chasing him and now it's taunting uh, his dead body <laughs> yeah well it's you know again if it was something other than just guy losing his marbles maybe it would be like you know did he make it all up or did it actually happen was it aliens we leave it up to you because twilight zone but this one is just like no it's a slot machine we know slot machines they're machines they, they got little gears in them to spin and they're they're designed to take all your money because you can never win as much as you pump in so it's not it's not the twilight zone it's just vegas i mean i guess sure vegas gambling bad whatever i mean i i thought uh i thought when watching this that like oh this is just a really bad like morality tale about how gambling is immoral and it's a slippery slope and if you if you dip your toe in in the slightest, you're gonna you know you're putting your whole life and your your family and everything on the line, and you could lose it all and stuff. So stay away from gambling. And then I was like, what? I mean, why would you make a whole episode about that? And then I was reading some of the stuff on Wikipedia. Do you see this the the episode notes on how this is basically uh, Rod Serling was celebrating getting his show signed, so he went to Vegas and. Lost a whole bunch of money. Was like, oh boy, that was rough. And then decided to write an episode about it. Yeah, that's. I was just about to bring it up. If you didn't, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I saw it on IMDb as well. And uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. Uh, yeah, apparently his wife his wife had some good luck, and he had really a real string of crap luck. And so sure, so he decided to uh, write it up. And uh, yes, apparently he is the is the titular uh, uh, man with the fever. <laughs> Right, yeah. Wife had good luck, he had bad luck. Is that because odds and things? Or is it because there's something sinister happening to him and not to her? And it's like, eh, sure, you can turn that into an episode. Uh, I don't know that that needed to be 25 minutes or whatever, but sure. That's okay. At least we understand where it came from now. It's, it's. I, I feel less bad about it because it's not like him shaking his finger at us going, don't you waste your money on gambling? Because, I mean... Like I'm not a gambler, but it's 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 a fun thing people enjoy. Like my 92 year old grandma, she enjoys playing slot machines for some reason, and uh, if that's how she wants to waste, you know, 20 bucks or whatever, fine, I'm all for it, don't care. But uh, yeah, it was so heavy handed with the uh, the morality and just ugh, oof, Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a bit much. The 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 other thing that I did come across in looking, I always look into the uh, some of the actors and uh, see if they've been in anything else and. Uh, our our Mr. Gibbs uh, or Franklin Franklin <laughs> Franklin I can't do it. I can't do it quite like the the jingly sound the Franklin you know what I'm, I'm realizing the voice kind of reminded me of is uh, isn't there one of the uh, the text to speech voices in Mac OS <laughs> that's kind of like an underwater sound probably Franklin. <laughs> 
sounded like they just recorded some guy with some distortion and threw some jangly coin noises over top and mixed it a little bit. And they're like, yeah, well, that's good. It's fine. But yeah, so the uh, so Everett Sloan was the name of the actor that played Franklin, and uh, he was in Citizen Kane. Yeah, I saw that as well. Um, it's been too long since I've watched it, but uh, so I don't recognize the character's name. <laughs> I was going to say, is this is this the place where I'm going to admit that I haven't seen Citizen Kane? Oh, man, ever? <laughs> Not even in like a film class back in the day or something? You know, I've seen um, like shots and like very small sequences because, yeah, talking about like cinematography and camera moves and stuff. But no, I've never watched the whole movie. By that, you really just mean that you've watched that animated gif of uh, of him clapping over and over again? That's the... Uh... <laughs> no, I think there's isn't there's a uh, there's a, there's a long there's a one shot leading up to the uh, the the punchline or whatever that all that goes all the way up to the fire and uh, I remember seeing that and I don't know some other stills about lens choices or something but uh, yeah no I haven't sorry cinema people I haven't seen Citizen Kane maybe I should go watch that at some point the main thing that uh, that I remember about it is uh, the film lecture class that I took in college where I, le I learned the very little that I know about film, you know, in terms of types of shots and that kind of stuff. Um, the, uh, the professor made a point in the very first class to say, there are two kinds of people who will teach you uh, about film. There are people who think that Citizen Kane is the greatest movie ever made. And there are people who think that Blade Runner is the greatest movie ever made. And, mm. and, and he was one of the latter. Oh boy! And so he proceeded to show us uh, the director's cut of Blade Runner. <laughs> I think, I Wait, think is that the one, that's the one without the voiceover, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a it was a it was a one class a week. Uh, you know, so we would he would show us a movie and then we'd talk about it. It was like a three and a half hour class, I think. See, that sounds fun. It was a blast. I, I remember. In my history of film class, we, you know, we did all of the, uh, you know, the, the famous German films and the, uh, you know, way back into the uh, Lumiere brothers and all that stuff. But I remember, I don't know why, maybe it was just the time period and it was recently out there, but we spent a lot more time talking about the Matrix trilogy than I feel like was necessary. Uh, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk about some of these ones. Uh, we, we didn't talk about Blade Runner or Citizen Kane. So now I feel like I got shorted on my film education, but, uh, that's interesting. Where do you, uh, where do you come down in terms of Blade Runner versus Citizen Kane? <laughs> well, I've watched Blade Runner a lot more times than I've seen Citizen Kane. So that may say something. Are those the two contenders for best movie of all time in your mind? <laughs> no, probably not. Um. Uh... I'm I'm terrible at uh, you know, actually uh, another uh, film he had us watch for that class that I enjoyed uh, more than either of those was uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yep, I, I'll, I'll agree to that one. That's see again, that's uh, getting back into the westerns and older westerns have a very sort of meandering vibe to them that like I you know I grew up watching a lot of westerns because I guess my dad liked Clint Eastwood westerns and John Wayne and stuff, but they never really stuck with me just because there's a lot more just dead silence and i guess you're trying to capture the you know the desert and stuff but i live in the desert so that's not super interesting but um blade runner uh i find kind of insufferable at times like don't, don't get me wrong it's some of the most beautiful production design in the history of cinema but in terms of a story it's just like good gracious what what, what are we doing here guys i know that's sacrilege to say for a lot of people because people love the blade runner but uh the couple times i've tried to watch it it's just like this is pretty what's happening now <laughs> That uh, what's her name has the the cool hair. Absolutely. The uh, yeah, I, I think at this point, uh, maybe I'm just a little obsessed because it's a, a little recency effect. But uh, I feel like there's a lot of things that uh, uh, story wise that uh, this first season of Westworld has done in a much more interesting way uh, than than what we had uh, with with Blade Runner. <sighs> 
Oh boy, you want to you want to get into Westworld? <laughs> you want to do this? We're gonna turn this into Westworld. <laughs> no, we had a bit of a conversation. Uh, I think it only made it into the bootleg uh, for on the on the defocused episode about um, uh, about Westworld, and it's interesting. I I do think they did some really cool stuff, especially to the the, the Blade Runner uh, style of sci fi type stuff. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it took a lot a lot of build up to get to the last like two episodes, and then you know. I was I was on the fence. I almost stopped watching halfway through, but I'm glad I stuck with it because they they did some cool stuff at the end there. I was uh, I was really taken with uh, with uh, Evan Rachel Wood's performance early on, and so that mm-hmm. kind of hooked me uh, from right out of the gate, pretty much. Um, and so that 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 kind of uh, kept me in it uh, until they started doling out some of the reveals and some of that stuff. So. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and uh, as much as I was, I had remained spoiler free. Uh, we didn't actually start watching it until the whole season was done. So, uh, so we were able to, you know, it, you know. I think in, in Jason Snell's words, a slow binge. I think it was over about a week and a half. We watched the whole thing. So, um, That's it, pretty good. I, I, I could see where you, having to stick with it over ten weeks would be uh, maybe a little much. But uh, being able to watch it, you know, in, in uh, uh, more compressed time, I think helped as well. Yeah. So I guess something similar that I would be curious to get your opinion about, because you're, you're doing, you're doing this here twilight zone thing. Twilight zone is kind of known for, uh, you know, it's, it's twists at the end of episodes, clearly not all of them as evidenced by this one, but, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in, in modern television series these days, I, I feel like, uh, a lot of the time I'm just, I'm doing my best not to get, uh, get, burned lost style again where the uh we, we were waiting for seasons seasons to go by and we're going to get to the end and there's finally going to be this big twist or reveal or something and then we get we get nothing uh so i you know i'm always skeptical when it seems like a, a show is going like uh you know there's something super deep and uh, interesting going on here you'll see it's all going to come together at the end You're, you'll see you'll see and then when we get to the end uh I, i'm worried that you know like halfway through i'm worried they're not going to deliver on it and it, uh, it it colors my enjoyment of the series so i'd be curious if uh if as you're watching all of these twilight zone episodes if you have that same sort of feeling because you know some of the twists are great. Some of them are less so. Do you feel cheated when you don't get a cool twist? I think the beauty of of a show like The Twilight Zone is there is no, you know, there's no arc. There's It's individual episodes. And so you can totally tolerate a clunker, uh, you know, pretty much any time because there's a decent shot that the next one's going to could be amazing. And so... Uh, that that doesn't leave you with that with that sort of feeling. I was a huge fan of Lost, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> were you were you on all of the wikis where people are like debating theories about like what it's going to be? You know, you, we still got a season and a half left, but if you look at these sorts of things and this evidence and these character names, it's totally leading here. And it's like, yeah, none of that happened at all ever. I was one. I, I think at one point. I was listening to maybe three different episode by episode recap podcasts. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> uh, we our our cadence was um, we started this in, after I think the first season, uh, where we started doing a total rewatch before the new season would premiere every year. Oh boy! And so um, yeah, so by the time we got to the end, we were literally rewatching the entire you know like five seasons of. 
of show before the next season premiered. Uh, and all it did was remind us of all the things we loved and increased the letdown uh, when mm. so much of the stuff didn't pay off uh, uh, at the end. But, uh, you know, we'll never know why that statue had four toes, Dan. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, of all of the rationalization that happened afterwards of, no, it's really about the, you know, it's, it's this is what it was always meant to be. And stuff like that's, that's so wrong. And it's just there was so much. There was so much like weirdness for the sake of weirdness. And this is what was getting me about Westworld. It's like, they're doing all this weird, creepy stuff and it's super sci-fi and there's a lot of secretive stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but how many of these ends are they going to tie up? And thankfully the vast majority of them were, but it was just like, come on, don't, don't, don't start saying stuff. And you know, of course I'm, I'm skeptical when I see Jonathan Nolan in the credits there. Cause <laughs> Oh God, interstellar and all of that stuff. Oh like, boy. Gee, boy, I don't want to get into it. Murph. Space and, <laughs> right yeah you know maybe i should watch some more twilight zone stuff because you're right the, it is a little more satisfying where you're like wow that was terrible let's watch the next one because you know they do some interesting stuff in these these episodes and it is super dated and cheesy but they, there's often a thread of something interesting in there this one you know it has the thread of a morality tale but it's 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 uh it's a little heavy-handed for 25 minutes yeah i think uh i think overall to to further answer your your question that what what changed about the way I watch TV after Lost and after all that is that I try not to get too hung up on the uh, all the little details uh, so much and 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 I don't spend and part of it is that between work and having a kid now and all this that I don't have the time to spend scouring the internet for the latest theories and all that so I've taken a different approach where I try not to learn anything and I try to just kind of let it wash over me a little bit more. And uh, quit trying to guess what's going to happen quite so much. And then the other thing that I've done is started to appreciate a lot more the individual characters and the in the performances more so than the uh, necessarily the overall you know narrative part of it. So so when I mentioned something like um, the uh, the performance of uh, of Evan Rachel Wood as Dolores, you know, the kind of hooking me. Um, it's the same thing with I don't know if you watch uh, the Americans uh, at all. I don't, but I saw that you have a blog about wigs. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we could talk about that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it gets almost no traffic, but uh, but it delights me to go through back through these episodes I've already watched because the the disguises they have uh, for their for their spycraft are, are many times very delightful. So uh, I go through and do screen grabs, and I post those. Uh, yes, the uh, the blog is called Spy Wigs. That's that's available at spywigs.com. <laughs> you are that guy from that really old uh, Merlin metaphor talking about the guy who has the blog about one specific Jawa. That's totally you, but you're, you're doing, you're, you got a blog about wigs from the Americans. Oh, that's absolutely correct. It uh, it gave me an excuse to to have something to uh, look back on the show uh, in between seasons. Uh, my wife and I picked it up uh, over the summer and watched all four seasons uh, in very short order and got totally hooked on it. And what I will say without being too spoilery is that ultimately for us, the we find that the show, the most interesting thing about the show is that it's a show about this couple and their relationship. And yes, there are all these reveals and, you know, spy thriller tense stuff that happens. And it is very interesting and it's very well done. Uh, but ultimately their their relationship is at the at the kind of the core of the show and that's what uh, that's what keeps us hooked on it so that's kind of how i've come to watch a lot of things now uh as opposed to being worried about 
uh, what the the man in black and the man in white are gonna you know <laughs> who's gonna win their chess match on the beach or whatever <laughs> yeah and i think if i had a choice that type of story is uh, something I enjoy watching more than something that has, you know, very intricate plot, because first of all, intricate plot, you got to keep all the details straight in your head and the payoff's never going to be as good as you want it to be. But, um, yeah, like really, you know, complex explorations of characters that feel like real people are far more satisfying. Like most of the movies that I would, uh, classify as my favorites or TV shows in general are really just about people. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, even if it's like about a historical event or something, you know how it's going to end because it's a, it's something that happened in the real world, and it's really just about the way these characters interact with each other, or the story is secondary, and uh, people who act like human beings that have emotions and real feelings are far more entertaining to watch. But yeah, it's when they try to mix the two of like, uh, you know, the, the, the crazy sci-fi plot stuff along with all of these people, it's like, well which one do I pay attention to and which one's going to be more satisfying? It's like, if you're going to promise me something crazy, Westworld, you better deliver on something crazy because as much as I can like, you know, I can keep watching for all of the uh, great Evan Rachel Wood performances. Uh, at some point, I'm going to want you to pay off all of this crazy nonsense you're, you're showing me here. Indeed. Twilight Zone. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I always ask my guests whether they think that the episode we watched, uh, if we were putting together a short list of... Uh, of Rod Serling's work, if you would call this an essential episode. And I think I know your answer. <laughs> well, I would say based on uh, just my uh, cursory understanding of the success of Las Vegas, I would say that, that this uh, episode didn't reach as many people as they probably wanted it to. And, uh, you know, uh, no, I'm going to say no. This is, <laughs> this is just a, an episode uh, about a straw man who gets addicted to gambling and wastes a bunch of money and falls out a window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. And not only that, but uh, did you notice that uh, his foot popped back up in the frame after he fell out the window? Oh, no, I didn't see that. So he just landed <laughs> on a pad like three feet below the window? Totally. Uh, I did not see that. No, I, of all the things I was like, I was I was looking for stuff to be interested in in this episode. I'm like, oh, okay, where'd they shoot this? Shot this at MGM. Oh, that's now Sony Pictures over in Culver. I'm like, oh, I know a guy who used to work over there. He's on a podcast with me. But like, you know, it's <laughs> like, uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you looking for in this thing, man? It's just... You should cue that moment back up and uh, and just enjoy that uh, that little gaff that uh, they they're like. Should we reshoot it? Uh, no, we got We're not going to bring a whole other window in and <laughs> and all that. Uh, no, that's it. Oh, we, yeah, we broke the window. It's you know nobody will notice. I mean, they're right. I didn't notice. I'll but it's on Netflix. I'll fire it back up again and take a look for the foot. But you know, these days we we'll just just clean that up and post. We should George Lucas this one and just clean that foot back out. That's what we need. We need the Fever Special Edition. <laughs> the Fever Special Edition. Oh my God! They could they could dub in uh, Franklin going no. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we could we could put a whole scene in where the uh, the slot machine has the high ground and he tries to jump or something. Yeah, they need uh, uh, that, and I think we need some some creatures in the background, some some strange dinosaurish kind of looking creatures maybe we'll just uh we'll extend the walls we'll make the casino look 10 times larger because that's you know that they would have done that had had they had the budget back then we'll throw in some craps tables maybe put some aliens at the craps tables you never know this is the twilight zone it's not actually earth and this is a place where 
A slot machine can be imbued with uh, a personality, uh, a malicious personality. So, uh, you know, aliens and stuff. We'll put some monsters back there. Absolutely. And an extended uh, sequence uh, like the uh, the singer at Jabba's place in, uh, in uh, the Jedi Special Edition. <laughs> is it the Jedi Rock? Isn't that what his song is? Oh, whatever that terrible mess is. <laughs> yeah, hey, we could put the we could put the pig face people in the background as an Easter egg for people who are very familiar with Twilight Zone. Now you're on it. Yes, yeah. So yeah, this this is it. This is going to be. They've already done a Blu-ray release, but I think um, they're <laughs> right. they're going to need to do some kind of 4K, some kind of Ultra HD upgrade. Oh, they can they can drop all that stuff in the background. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure they're going to spend the money to go back and rescan this 35 millimeter negative at 4K to do a, a, a real 4K blow up of this thing when the 4K DVD finally comes out. 4K Blu-ray? What are they calling the 4K disc? So they still Blu-ray? I don't even know. I think I don't know. I actually, yeah, I don't I don't even own a player that could play them. So uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. They didn't <laughs> shoot anything at 4K anyway. <laughs> Well, and I, I think I've I've reached that point where I'm like I'm old manning a little bit, and I'm like, can I even tell the difference? Like I was mm. I was streaming some stuff on uh, Amazon that was in 4K on my uh, on my TV, and I'm like, uh, does this look different? Is it is it has it snapped in yet? Because I'm not seeing it. <laughs> no, I mean we could get into the specifics of that. It's very boring, but essentially, uh, yeah, no, most of it wasn't shot in 4K. Even if it was, you got to be like five feet away to be able to tell the difference. But well, that's what I came to was I don't sit close enough to my to my big TV. Uh, for it to matter most likely so and mm -hmm. so i don't i don't bother i just uh, uh i flip over to the apple tv which is incapable of it and, right. and then i don't have to worry about it uh yeah this was see uh, i tried to watch this on my my fire stick t uh, fire tv stick whatever it's called anyways i shouted uh twilight zone at my my little remote mm -hmm. and it, it tried to it tried to tell me to, to buy it on amazon prime it didn't uh find it on netflix so i had to i knew it was in netflix because i used my tv app on my phone to see all the different places I could watch it. So I just had to go into Netflix specifically and look for it. Technology. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I, I of course benefited from Twilight Zone being in my recently watched. So it's much easier to find in Netflix. I don't have to do the godforsaken search <laughs> where it tries to show you every other related thing. That's not the thing you're looking for. <laughs> see, we're all just addicted to this malicious technology. That's really just trying to kill us. That's true. It's immoral and uh, disgrace, and we're all yeah. Uh, we're all wild idiots. We're uh, <laughs> we're we're uh, guilty of sloth or whatever, because all we do is lay on our couches and play with our technology. It's a good thing I only have a one-story house though, because it can't like make me jump out a window. <laughs> oh, I'll have to keep that in mind uh, when I, when I go upstairs <laughs> to bed tonight. I'll have to make sure my wife uh, bars all the windows. No, just make sure you only watch the uh, the Apple TV and the Netflix on the downstairs TV. <laughs> Uh, that's right. Well, uh, Dan, I really appreciate you joining me. Well, thanks for having me. This was fun. It's been a pleasure. And uh, uh, before we wrap up, uh, tell uh, tell me, where can uh, people find you out there? Oh, uh, the Incomparable Network, defocus.co is uh, the direct link to our podcast. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere as at Dan Sturm on the internet. So if you want to come read some stupid tweets or something, you can find me there. Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll include uh, links in the show notes, of course. And uh, uh, that's it. Cool. Thanks, man. This episode of Random Serling was brought to you by our friends at Pippi's Treasures, where you can find handmade items for the people you treasure most. Check out their embroidered kitchen towels, kids' clothing, and more at pippistreasures.com. That's P-I-P-P-I-S, treasures.com. 
Next time on Random Serling, my guest will be Alma Lensink, and we will discuss The Twilight Zone Season 1, Episode 27, The Big Tall Wish. Until then, you can find the show at randomserling.com or by following Random Serling on Twitter.